Hey, well, welcome back to another episode of The Wealth Alchemist. And today, you might notice that if you're watching and not listening, you might notice that Carrie's not here today. Dylan Justice is with us today. He's one of our team members. Thank you. It's good to be here. We, um, Dylan and I spend a lot of time together when we're going between offices, and we have some great conversations, and I've really gotten to know him well. And he's the the youngest member of our team, though I, I won't displace youth with wisdom. He's still um, incredibly intelligent and a wonderful addition to our team. And as many of you that have worked with him know, he just does an excellent job taking care of our clients. Thank you. I appreciate that. So since probably not everybody knows, how old are you, Dylan? I'm 23. 23. And when did you graduate from WP Carey? I would have been two years ago when I was 21. So you graduate a little early. Yes. So proof that he's a really smart guy. I just wanted to throw that in there. So Dylan, tell me a little bit about, you know, your background, because I think it's relevant in how, you know, how you see the world and how you think. So tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, of course. Well, I grew up in Payson, much like a lot of the other people in the office. Played sports all throughout high school, kind of grew up the small town and moved down here to the city. And that was a little adjustment. But Boy. Graduated school in three years, and then I worked in the mortgage industry for a year, and then decided after that to come here, and things have been better since, so I haven't looked back. Awesome. One of the things, you know, we were talking, and and I know know Dylan's parents, they're wonderful parents, and he's got a great support network around him, and and has had a a really good life, and made good choices, and as as has his family, and... um, when we were talking on one of our trips back from Tucson, we we're kind of throwing around just, you know, what do young people worry about? And by young people, let's let's say just getting out of college or just starting a life and skipped college, but getting into the real world where they have to make their own bills. And, and so I asked him the question, so I'll ask you the question again. What are some of the things that you or, or friends of yours talk about when you're you're saying, gosh, I just don't know if I'm going to have enough for this, or or what What do you worry about if you worry about anything? Yeah, I know friends that don't worry at all, but I'd say for the most of us, um, housing, renting, or trying to buy, some of it seems out of reach, but you can't control that. And then having enough money for retirement, that's always huge, at least personally. And then a lot of the people that are just graduating college, um, my brother, especially one of them, just really realizing how expensive life in general really is. Yeah, it's a shocker. I mean, it's every once in a while, and I'm I'm going to be real careful. I'm going to say it anyway because I started to say it. Now I can't back it up. But every once in a while, I go to the grocery store. I hate to admit it. I don't go to the grocery store very often. But when I do, I am shocked. I mean, it's expensive. When When you are talking about um let's just let's just take you for example what is the number one thing you worry about having enough money to retire the way that i would be comfortable living yeah that's the biggest thing you know i love how you prefaced it or not really prefaced it but summarized it the way i would like to be living a lot of people say i want to retire and you say okay well paint that picture for me if I'm retired, is that I get up in the morning, I go fishing? 
if I do go fishing, am I on a little rowboat or am I on a <laughs> boat like Dylan's that is a, a bass boat? It's got an engine and all the cool equipment. He used to he used to work at Bass Pro while he was in school, and he's got all the best equipment, by the way. And if you need any fishing help, talk to Dylan. He's he's got all the got all the answers there. Um, but when you when you go right to retirement, I think that also shows some wisdom on your part. I mean, the reality is you can borrow money for a lot of things, right? Yeah, of course. What are some things you can borrow money for? A house, a car, a boat, land, anything you can really think of as long as you're willing to pay for it. Everything except? Retiring. Yeah, I haven't found I haven't found anybody yet who will loan money for somebody to retire. And if if anybody out there's got some ideas, by all means let me know, but that's why they, you know, it it's funny how you look at lots of different um faith-based books, you look at wisdom from college, you look at financial, you know, how to handle your finances 101. And what do they always say? They say pay yourself first. And it's because Number one, financial, having money really translates to freedom. And knowing that your end of life is going to be just as good, if not better, as your the rest of your life, it means your future, as Dan Sullivan would say, your future is always bigger than your past. It gives you something to look forward to. So it takes a lot of weight off your shoulders. Um, mentally, you're a lot easier going. You're happier. So... We were having this discussion, you know, what does it look like to um, to save when you first get out of college? And hopefully you have a 401k. Do you have a 401k, Dylan? I do, yes. You must have a pretty good employer if, if they've got a 401k plan. I'll lean into that one. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. So, of course, we have a 401k. We believe in it. We think it's important. I ran some numbers, and I just based it off a fictitious $50,000 income. So I would say that's probably a decent estimate for somebody that is educated, goes into their first job, uh, 50000 You decide to go ahead and save 10%. So 10% is five grand. Your company matches you 5% of your salary, so that's 7500 If your income never went up and you never added any money to it and you were earning 8% annually, that would be $925,000 at age 65 from age 25, and you're only 23. Exactly. So gave a couple bonus, a couple negatives <laughs> on the year. We could do better. And, and you could be more aggressive, and, and it could earn more. Again, it could also earn less. But on average, let's say if we use that 8%, that's 925000 If you're making fifty grand when you retire, when you get out of college, do you think you're going to be making fifty grand? Ten years later, I sure hope not. Yeah, I sure. I I know it won't happen here. Or he'll <laughs> leave. We're gonna have to give him raises, right? And when you get those raises, Dylan, are you gonna spend every penny? No, that's not my plan. No, my my biggest plan is to not increase my spending habits proportionally with how much more I get paid. Yeah, that's right. So, <clears throat> again, in that theme of paying yourself, if you get a a five percent raise increase. Your contribution's 5%. And then inevitably, or not inevitably, but in many cases, you end up doing what in four or five years? Probably starting a family. Start a family, you partner up. Some big life changes. And that your partner's probably working. 
And so let's say that they're also making about the same amount of money. So you double that. Now we're starting to talk real money. You know, a couple million dollars at 65. Probably, you know, really probably not enough. So those escalations, you know, when you look out that far, it's not going to buy you as much. But if again, if you continue to escalate your payments um, to yourself, probably be all right. Yeah. And starting early, I think, is going to help a lot with that. Starting early, doing it what we call dollar cost average. You want to explain dollar cost averaging? Yeah, it's just putting in money month after month or quarter after quarter, putting it in, and eventually over time it works out to be cheaper per share per unit. Most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Almost always. Not not necessarily always, but typically that dollar cost averaging works out in the long run. Um, do you think if somebody's young and they have a 20-year time horizon ahead of them, should they be more growth invested or, or would you say they should be more conservative? I'd say it depends on if you don't need the money for 20 years, I would say growth oriented. If you're not going to need it, the whole goal is to use it in 20 plus years. You might as well grow that as big as possible. I agree. And, and the, lo- the, the number one, the, the first factor and the greatest factor in how aggressive or conservative you should be is time. And so the longer that time horizon, the more aggressive we can be. You could be a really aggressive investor with a six-month time horizon and say, Kev, i got $10 bucks. I'm super aggressive. What should I invest in? I'm going to buy a house in six months, and we're going to say money market. <laughs> you know, We want to make sure that money's there for you to buy the, um, the, buy the house or, or whatever the goal was at six months versus, oh, I'm sorry, you're just going to need to be patient because long-term investments are volatile, so you'll need to wait a few more years. I don't want to have that conversation, do you? No, I really no. don't. That's not fun. What else do? What else do? Would you say young people? What would you say the next concern is? Or the next hot topic? Probably housing. housing. A lot of people want to own their own house, and getting just out of school, they don't feel it's feasible. Feel like they'll be stuck renting for a very long time. You know, it's interesting. One of the statistics I thought that was kind of mind-blowing is how many young people now are buying a home together. Of course. So you have unmarried, which that this has been happening a long time, but you might have three or four people who are going in and investing in a home together just so that they can start to build equity to get into this space. And then hopefully over time, you know, that, that helps them actually access the ability to buy a home. Huge statistic, really, that that's changed. The reason we wanted to talk about this today is, you know, the conversations that mid to high net worth people have to have with their children um, can be uncomfortable at times. And it's really interesting to talk to somebody like Dylan, who, in my opinion, really has his head on his shoulders. He's very squared away very um, diligent about making good choices and he's made great choices and he's done a great job. And I can say all this to Dylan and honestly, his head will not get big. He's just a, a really level guy. I really appreciate him. But we as families, when we have these family talks, we need to talk about some things that sometimes can be difficult and different generations, again, uh, see these conversations about money differently. 
you know, we all have family money values. You know, like don't buy something until you have the money. Or use the credit card, <laughs> right? Those are two two different stories, two different family stories. Some people might have parents that spent every penny and, you know, we're always struggling and worrying and the, the kitchen table conversations were about how you're going to pay the bills. Some families might have had families who, you know, their money was no object. You know, whatever you need, we've got it and they don't worry about it. So everybody's different. But here are some of the things that, that are important to talk about. So what's the purpose of your family? You know, define family goals and priorities. Like um, it could be tithing. It could be charitable giving. What are some other things that a family might be focused on as a group? Mm, maybe volunteer work or friends and family supporting them. You might have yeah. older family that might need some help or brothers, sisters, really just anyone in your family. They might need some support and that might be important to you. For sure. That's a huge one, actually. Yeah, I'm sure if the, and if the parents, I'm speaking as a parent, if I'm leaving you a bunch of money, I certainly want you to take care of me on my way out. <laughs> <laughs> and what are your family strengths and weaknesses? I mean, we all have that one family member, right? And if you don't know who that family member is, it might be you. <laughs> Now we we all have strengths and weaknesses though, and and we, um, you know, it's great to identify them. Like maybe you're you are great with money, but maybe you aren't willing to spend on experiences, even though you've acquired wealth, and so you're you're missing out on something. What is the most What is most important to you about your family? What are each family member's most important values? I mean, values. What a big word that is. We. Clearly, I mean, values have taken on a new meaning in the last couple of decades, and and they're very different depending on your generation, so your age, your ethnicity, where you grew up, who you grew up with, and it's what's most important is that that, especially if it's your wealth being passed down, that that's getting shared, or let's say you're a young person in a family and you don't agree, well kind of important to get that out in the open right yeah it's definitely one of the bigger things to have a conversation about whether it's uncomfortable or not you worked hard for that money and it should be used how you see fit for sure you know how do you build relationships as a family how can you support each other back to what you said um society i love this question name three things you think you could do better as a family that's a great question. That might need to be asked quarterly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things change and, and values change and, and life cycles. The, the thing that this is kind of leading into, our next podcast over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about family values. We're going to talk about family conversations. And we're going to talk about how you can schedule a family meeting with us and we can walk you through this process as a group. So have the kids involved, you know, maybe even grandkids, could be grandparents. And we're going to have these conversations, and we're going to kind of lead it for you. But before we get there, we're going to talk about what that would look like, and we're going to share some experiences with permission um, of some of the things that have come out of these meetings and how it's made the family dynamic even better and ensured mom and dad or grandma and grandpa that, you know, the kids are going to are gonna not just 
do, but do well. Yeah. Anything else you can add to that? Just as a young person, and if I was gifted a large sum of money, I would probably be fairly uncomfortable and not know what to do with it. So if you started early and I was familiar with someone already, when something like that happened, it would definitely make it easier and just a lot easier to stomach and have a plan going forward. Wow, that's that's actually Peace a really mind. good point of view. And I feel a little silly I didn't notice. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's awesome. Like I said, wise beyond his years. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Dylan, for being here today. Thank you. And um, we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast or vodcast of The Wealth Alchemist.